It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Rachel Campos Duffy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, October 14th, 2022. I'm Chris Foster. Inflation isn't going away. It seems like what the administration has has chosen so far to do is not at least in the short term paying off. They are promising it will more in the long term. But again, the polling shows that people blame this White House. We're speaking with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Republicans need six seats to gain control of the House, and one of the races they're excited about in these upcoming midterms is a redrawn district that leans blue by double digits. I don't put my party first. That's the difference between my opponent and I. He is all about his party. I'm all about the American people. And I'm David Bossie. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. There's not much, if any, relief in the Labor Department's monthly report on inflation. Its consumer price index, what we pay for everyday goods, housing, and services, is up 8.2% annually, with prices four-tenths of a percent higher in September than August, both more than most economists expected. We are uh, acutely aware of the pressures that this causes on American families. White House Economic Advisor Jared Bernstein on Fox News Channel, Texas House Republican Kevin Brady on Fox Business. It's clear. We're going to see high inflation. It's persistent. uh, And right now, there's no end in sight. Groceries are up 13% from a year ago. Housing, 6.6%, the fastest since 1991. Generally, we know historically that voters tend to blame the person who's in power, the party that's in power. That makes sense to them. If they're struggling, what was it decades ago? It's about the economy, stupid. And that tends to be what really runs most elections. Shannon Bream's the host of Fox News Sunday. It's going to get tougher for the White House in that OPEC has now got this two million barrel a day cut. Um, That's only going to drive gas prices up, which we know then there's the ripple effect to everything else for transporting food and energy and all those other things. So it's not a great report for the White House. The core number is not good. It's up significantly. So I think that they know that voters make people pay in elections when it comes to the economy. And so they'll be doing everything they can to message that they've made investments, the Inflation Reduction Act. you got to wait to see some of these things pay off, but they're on the job. As part of your research and your job and whatever, um, have you tried to become a little bit more of an economist? Um, I've tried my best, but mm-hmm. I, it doesn't seem like anything's working. Yeah. I'm no expert. I do fall back on my, you know, I have a business degree, so I think back to the econ classes I took in college. Should have probably paid attention a little bit more. (laughs) But that's what I love about this job is that we are constantly learning more. And I definitely would say that about the economy. There are a couple of economists. I love to call them up and say, okay, this wonky report or number, what does this actually mean? How does this translate into real life? So we have great people like that that we can rely on. But it's true. It seems like what the administration has, has chosen so far to do is not at least in the short term paying off. They are promising it will more in the long term. But again, the polling shows that people blame this White House. They think um, there's a new polling out this week that actually half of Americans think not that this federal government or the Biden administration has been neutral. They actually assign them as making things worse. And that's tough. Yeah. And again, if you're driving around and that gas station price thing is almost like free advertising for whoever the opposition has to be, uh, happens to be, um, people don't care that inflation is about the same in the European Union or whatever's mm-hmm. going on. That, that's their problem. I, I'm worried about my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and millions of Americans are already voting, absentee in some states. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the new Fox News power rankings. Um, same as last month, still has the Republicans winning back the House. Best guess, 231 seats to 204. There are 
30-something toss-ups in there. And there's a best-case scenario for the Democrats where they could mm-hmm. hold, but um, it's, you know, maybe 20 percent, something yeah. like that. Well, it's interesting because you have people out there who don't trust the polls in either direction. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed Republicans who say they're worried that people will become complacent earlier in the year when they were more favored to pick up more seats in the House and the Senate. Um, I think that, you know, you got to think about enthusiasm and getting your voters out there. There had been more of an enthusiasm advantage to Republicans. That gap has closed in some polls. It shows Democrats are actually gaining ground there. It's all about turnout. Like you said, some of this early stuff is already starting. Some states where they haven't even had the debates yet in some of these races. So um, there's so much that can happen. Um, You know, three, four weeks is a lifetime in politics. And there's always the potential for a November surprise. Plenty in October. Room in November. Uh, Looking at the Senate, our esteemed political team has it uh, is a toss-up, really, um, with just four races deciding the balance of power in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada. Pennsylvania is getting a lot of national airtime with the Democrat John Fetterman. They're trying to, the Democrats are trying to flip that seat to Democrat. Um, it started this conversation about what maybe is and what isn't a disability and what, how Fetterman's stroke and his problems processing language uh, could affect his job. Mm-hmm. Now, you can make the case, and they have made the case, that, well, if you're a deaf senator, it's 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 no different. And, and Fetterman says, look, I'm, I'm getting better. This isn't a cognitive thing. Mm-hmm. It's just language processing. Processing, yeah. Um, it could go either way. He could get sympathy or he could scare people off, I suppose. It's got to, It's very tricky. And with his opponent being an MD, an actual yeah. doctor, that's tricky because he actually knows the prognosis of a patient better than us as lay people would know. But you have to be very careful in the public opinion sphere because people don't want to think that anyone is being bullied or marginalized or embarrassed because of a physical issue. And listen, he could wind up being a senator and go to the Senate and, and have a screen in front of him to help him process speeches and things that are going on there. Like you said, it's not cognitive. He understands it may be communicating back and forth. It's difficult for him. So it's tricky because he'll go around and say, how dare a doctor be making fun of me? And Oz will say, I'm not making fun of him. I'm trying to say that this is an issue that I understand from a medical viewpoint. Um, that race has tightened. It has not been this close. Um, I don't think ever. In, in, Oz, in Oz's favor, tightening. Yes, tightening in his favor. But Fetterman has had a very strong lead. And when you look at the gubernatorial race there, too, a distinct advantage for the Democrat. So you got to look at how the down ballots play off of each other. Um, I I would still say if I was a betting person that Fetterman pulls this out, we'll Mm see. Uh, Wisconsin, Democrat Mandela Barnes trying to take Ron Johnson's Senate seat, the Republican. We're told um, that President Biden has a particular disdain for Ron Johnson. Um, do you do we know why? And how hard are the Democrats is a machine fighting for that seat? Um, it, I, I'm not really sure what the rub is between the two of them. Um, you know, there have been times that Senator Johnson has been very um, been a defender of President Trump on certain issues. And maybe that's part of it, election related and those kinds of things. But that's a tough race for Democrats in that the more that people learn about the challenger there, the more they feel like he is radical potentially on things like crime, which we know along with the economy is the other top issue that people really care about. More broadly, we're going to get new polls out this weekend on Fox News Sunday, if I might put in a plug. Um, But I think that's one of those races that has, um, that's where you've seen the Republican in most polls benefit the more people learn about the Democratic challenger. That's the opposite for the parties in some of these other states. We talked last time about the Georgia race, uh, the the Herschel Walker abortion allegations that just come out. Um, He's actually, if I'm reading the polls right, he may have gone up a little bit since those allegations came out, or at least flat against um, the Democrat Raphael Warnock. I don't know if people uh, just don't care about abortion or the fact that he may or may not be lying about it. 
um, or if or if this is just a thing that happens as the race gets cl- you know as, as we mm-hmm. get closer to election day and people rally around their guy. They may because what he does so well with people who are considering voting for him is is often what President Trump does very well to say this is proof that the establishment doesn't want me to go there and represent you. So I think that line of argument probably has worked for people who were maybe interested in Walker. I think he's going to lose some people who say like, okay, I don't want to get involved with this candidate. That's not my guy. But there's been polling all over the place for him. I think that is a very interesting one to watch to see. Which poll is most accurate? Because there are some that show him way down. There's some that show him uh, potentially holding or moving up. Um, and that's the stew of looking at all of these different polls and how they, they play. You know, there's a political reporter there in Georgia who was covering this race for them. And she says, yes, everybody in the Beltway is talking about this stuff. She said, but tonight what's leading the local newscast is crime, crime, crime right. in Atlanta. So she says, you know, the wonky Beltway people may be more worried about this stuff than local voters are. Mm-hmm. We'll see. There. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly's been pretty consistently up on the polls. Uh, I know, poll, 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 but it's, it's what we have to talk about at this point, mm-hmm. um, against the Republican uh, challenger, Blake Masters. But the lead, again, maybe narrowing a little bit. Um, Republicans maybe with a little more hope of taking that? Possibly. Then this gets into this conversation where pollsters will say there's the silent voter, or is that the conservative or the Trump voter, um, a.k.a. who does not want to give the truth to a pollster or doesn't want to participate in the poll in the first place. I mean, some polls are very good at factoring that in. We'll have to see if they do that this time around. But that's been an exceptionally tight race, as has the gubernatorial race there, too. So Arizona is definitely one to watch. One we maybe haven't paid as much about nationally is in Nevada, which is considered mm-hmm. the other toss-up of the four. Um, the Democrat incumbent, Catherine Cortez Mastro, is running against Adam Laxalt. This is one the Republicans really think they can grab. And they need to. If they think they're going to win control back of the Senate, this is, a, you know, it, it's in that handful of two or three that's like, you got to pull it out. Um, I was out in Vegas not long ago to give a speech, not doing anything fun. <laughs> Everything in Vegas stays there. Okay. Um, but You know, when you travel to these different states, you're inundated with their local ads. And it was so much about abortion on both sides. The ads weren't about the economy, which is not what the Democrats want to be talking about right now. But it was about abortion nonstop in Nevada. Even even from the Republicans. Yeah. I mean, and and there was sort of this idea that maybe they were explaining or clarifying where Laxalt is on that issue. But I was surprised that that seemed to be the overarching theme in nearly every ad I saw there. Uh, one more, new COVID boosters approved for kids five and up. It struck me when this news came out that there was a time that this would have been mm-hmm. sirens blaring, flat, you know, every time a, a, a vaccine was approved. And now it just seems like, okay, great. Another another TikTok yeah. in our in our new COVID life, even though long COVID and medium COVID we're mm-hmm. hearing more and more about. Um, is anybody at this point talking about this stuff on the campaign trail, talking about the shutdowns or how the pandemic may or may not have been handled or mishandled? Or have we just move past that. I think that um, it doesn't show up in polling as an issue. Thank God that people are, are is at top of mind right now. And I, I think that walking around New York right now, it's like the most normal it's felt to me in two and a half years. Um, there wasn't a good uptake on um, shots for youngsters. And so I think that, you know, the, now that the boosters are available, there's certain people who they were first in line. They're definitely going to think this is the best choice for their kid and be there to get it. Um, I don't hear a lot on the campaign trail about this particular issue, but there are those who will invoke it to say, Don't forget what the last two years were like. If you didn't like that, if you felt the Democrats didn't handle it well and infringed on your personal freedom in a way that you did not like for you or your children, then vote for me. It's not a top liner, but it does sneak in there. there. It's a thing in the main gubernatorial race. I know that you can come at there. Democrat Mm -hmm. Janet Mills, that's that's something that she's been getting hammered on. um, Lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. against um, 
Paula Page, who's the Republican, trying to get that right, get, trying get to get that job back. back. Right. It's interesting when people leave the job and then they, they come to fight try to get it back. But that one, I think we just moved to lean Democrat. So we'll see. Yeah, LePage, like many people in Maine, decided to um, head off to Florida for, 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 for a bit and then uh, came back yeah. trying to get his old job back. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Thank you. Great to see you. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. This is David Bossy with your Fox News commentary coming up. It was a big upset at the time when Mexican-born Republican Myra Flores won Texas District 34 along the border in a special congressional election held this summer. Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said after she took on the role. You know, the sign out front says historic because moments ago we watched a moment of history. Myra Flores was officially sworn in. He noted the seat had been held by Democrats for decades in a district that is, according to Ballotpedia, 84 percent Hispanic. She's facing Democratic Congressman Vicente Gonzalez in November. But Flores is the incumbent, though the redrawn lines created a district President Biden would have won, according to the Fox News power rankings, by 15 points. Gonzalez is currently congressman in the 15th district in Texas, but he opted to run in the 34th, telling the Texas Tribune he still would have won in the 15th, but it would have been a bigger challenge. He's been on offense, posting a video to one Texas County's Democratic Facebook page. And I want to ask everyone to join me in asking my opponent, Myra Flores, for the debate that we had agreed to on October the 19th. People of South Texas deserve to hear both sides. The Flores campaign said you can't pull out of something you never agreed to, noting they didn't even hear from the TV station about a debate until last week and already had a scheduling conflict. Furthermore, they say the Gonzalez campaign never tried to negotiate another date. Gonzalez, though, is fighting to stay in Congress alongside two other South Texas Democrats, all of whom are facing Republican Latina women. He told MSNBC in late July. We're clear to take this back in November and kick the Republicans out of South Texas. Voters in South Texas are very smart, very clever, very informed. Uh, November is going to be a shock for Republicans down here. That remains to be seen as the Fox News power rankings have now moved this seat from lean Democrat to toss up. Well, we're focusing on the issues that matter to them. Myra Flores is the Republican congresswoman in Texas District 34, and we spoke to her while she was traveling on the campaign trail. You know, and my constituents want me to focus on them, and they're the ones that elected me to be in this position. So I owe myself to them. So I'm focused on border security, and I'm focused on the economy. These are the things that they're talking to me every single day that concerns them. And it's my top priority to bring economic opportunities to Texas 34. And it's my top priority to secure the borders. Uh, I know you're on the road now. You said you're meeting with farmers and ranchers. I know that that's, uh, you did that this week as well, earlier in the week. We've been hearing about the cost of diesel for farm vehicles, the cost of fertilizer. Everything that goes into farming um, has been hit as we see inflation. Uh, I know the, the Biden administration has said they've doubled their investment in domestic fertilizer production grants, and they've increased insurance to cover double cropping. Is that helpful? Do you support those kind of efforts, or are you seeing something else that is needed that farmers are telling you about? Our farmers are hurting tremendously. They're going through the worst times ever, and the humanitarian crisis, the 
open borders um, are really the reason why they're hurting tremendously as well. Of course, inflation is also one of the reasons why they're hurting uh, tremendously. But the Biden administration hasn't been able to come here to South Texas to come and see what their policies are doing to us here in South Texas, what it's doing to our farmers and the impact that it's having in their lives. And if he were to come here, if Kamala Harris would come here to South Texas, they would, I would hope that they would realize that what they're doing is not just hurting us here in South Texas, it's hurting the entire country. And it's time to make a U-turn and put it back in place the policies that were working and start enforcing the laws and allow our Border Patrol agents to do that. Our Border Patrol agents are focused on the humanitarian crisis and they're not able to stop the fentanyl that is coming in into our country, that is killing our children, the future of this country. I don't know when border security became a political issue because it shouldn't be political. This is something that both Democrats and Republicans should be working together. Let's focus on legal immigration, improving the legal process so we could allow the good people that want to come here to work hard for the American dream, but that they can do it legally because illegal immigration is funding criminal organizations. Women and children are going through abuse and rape and close to a thousand immigrants have already died going through this dangerous journey. No one deserves that. You're married to a Border Patrol agent, right? I'm married to a Border Patrol agent, and I understand 100% where our Border Patrol agents are going through as a Border Patrol wife. And you've already worked on a bill with Democrats, I I would note, to open up, um, I guess they're called fusion centers along the border, two of them, to help law enforcement coordinate and work together. Tell me why that was one of your, I guess, first focuses when it came to the border when you became a congressperson. Because it's so important that all our law enforcement, even at the local level and state level, have that communication. Because that's how we miss things. And I'm focused on things that we can both agree on, both sides. And that's what we need to focus on. We're so focused on what we disagree. But can we work on what we agree on? Can we give our Border Patrol agents the resources that they need, the manpower? Let's hire more Border Patrol agents. Let's give them the technology that they need to secure the border. But Washington is playing politics with human lives, playing politics with our Border Patrol agents. It's not fair for our Border Patrol agents. It's not fair for our Border Patrol agents' families. And it's not fair for the border towns that are hurting right now tremendously. We are at max capacity this humanitarian crisis is not a South Texas problem. This is an American problem. It is time that New York, California, and all these sanctuary cities step up and help us. We can't do it anymore. We've been doing it for over two years already, all on our own. And we're in desperate times in South Texas. It's time for the federal government to step up. They're our biggest problem. I have to ask you about your race. You're on the you're on the campaign trail as we speak. Um, you're running against a current congressman, Vincente Gonzalez. And after redistricting, our own Fox News power rankings say this seat would have gone for President Biden by 15 points. That is a lot. But the rankings also now rate this seat as a toss up. Why do you think that is? What do you hear from constituents about that? Well, 
they're not supporting the Biden. They don't support President Biden. They don't support his policies. And he doesn't care about Texas District 34. Why would the people of District 34 continue supporting President Biden after completely abandoning us in South Texas and ignoring our needs? The people of Texas 34 want a real representation in Washington. I've been focused 100% in my constituents. I'm focused on the issues that matter to them. For me, it's all about my district. I don't put my party first. That's the difference between my opponent and I. He is all about his party. I'm all about the American people. I put my constituents first in their needs. And that's the reason why so many people are walking away. But I'll be frank with you. The Democrat Party has abandoned the Hispanic community to cater to the far left. South Texas, regardless of politics, has always been a community of God, family, and hard work. That is who we are. It's in our DNA. And our roots are still very strong with our heritage in Mexico. I was born in Mexico, raised with those values, values that were instilled in me and that live within me, and that I instill those values into my children, and I want our values, the values of South Texas, to live forever in our community. And I want our values to be instilled into our children. That's what makes us unique. That's the American dream. Finally, you've been talked about in connection with Cassie Garcia, who's running in the 28th district against Henry Cuellar, and Monica De La Cruz running in the 15th for an open seat against Democrat Michelle Vallejo. Uh, Republicans are very excited about this group, this grouping here. And I think, I think you just kind of addressed it, but what do you think may be driving some of that shift among some of these South Texas Latino voters to be more open to Republican messaging? Well, they're seeing someone like them. They're seeing someone that represents their values and they're seeing someone that is putting their children their community first and we are sick and tired of being treated like second class and we have been treated like second class for a long time you know and we're Americans our voice matters too and no one cared about South Texas under their leadership and now that I am a member of Congress, they're talking about South Texas, they're talking about our needs, and we finally have a seat in the table. And we are the majority in Texas, and we will be the future. That is why it's so important that we continue investing in the Hispanic community. You know, both parties do not have a future without the Hispanic community. The Republican Party doesn't have a future without the Hispanic community. So it is so important that we invest in the Hispanic community and that we fight for their best interests as well. Because at the end of the day, we are also Americans. Congresswoman, I have to ask one more before I let you go. I, I, was, I was reading that you have said you are pro-life. Um, and I was also reading that that means no exceptions for you. Do you make exceptions for the life of a mother or rape? Or are there any exceptions in your mind? There are exceptions. I don't know where um, there's been a lot of misinformation. I'm pro-life. 
um, I do believe that there is exceptions, especially when um, the mother's life's at risk. But the Democrat Party has gone so radical that they support abortion up to nine months with no restrictions. And that's what my opponent actually voted for in the last bill. He voted for abortion up to nine months with no restrictions. And as a mother um, of four that knows what it's like to carry a child up to nine months, that is honestly um, just so disturbing to know that there's people that support abortion up to nine months with no uh, with no restrictions, um, and I don't know how we I don't know how we got here, you know. And well, in a, we need to in a raise though, the generation that, in a district that leans bluish, right? Even according to our own data here, um, has that gotten in the way at all? Do you feel like that issue is? is we're a Hispanic community. We're we're a people. We're a Hispanic community. There's a huge difference. We're South Texas. There's a big difference between South Texas and and Austin. And there's a big difference between South Texas and California and New York. We value life here. And Texas District 34 does not support abortion up to nine months with no restrictions. Well, Congresswoman Amira Flores, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. David Bossi. What's on your mind? Every two years, there seems to be a competitive race for the United States Senate that emerges out of nowhere, that wasn't on anyone's radar screen when the election cycle first began. This year's sleepy campaign in Washington state between far-left Democrat Senator Patty Murray, a five-year career Washington, D.C. politician, and first-time candidate Republican Tiffany Smiley is it. Recent polling shows the decades-long liberal incumbent Murray polling below 50%, despite her high name recognition against Smiley, who until recently was seen as a little-known citizen politician. Shockingly, the ballot test in two of these polls had Senator Murray's lead shrinking to just two and three points, respectively. These results have Washington, D.C. buzzing with intrigue about what might be happening on the ground in the reliably Democrat stronghold of Washington in the Pacific Northwest. To make matters worse for Senator Murray, everyone agrees that Washington state has been turning a deeper shade of blue with each passing year. For example, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump by a whopping 58% to 39% margin in the 2020 presidential election. And Murray prevailed in her last re-election with a very comfortable 59% of the vote in 2016. So Murray's alarming slide in the polls could mean that Washington voters are finally poised to vote for a change in direction and do so at the senior senator's expense. Let's face it, there's lots of reasons for Washingtonians to be sick and tired of what's been happening right before their eyes. Over the past two years, America has watched in disbelief as the beautiful city of Seattle 
was overrun by a rioting, violent crime, the defund the police movement, and the so-called chop zones. All the while, entrenched out of touch Democrats like Patty Murray have joyfully plowed ahead with their failed socialist agenda in Washington, D.C. Due to the Biden-Murray policies, skyrocketing inflation in the Evergreen State is making life exponentially more difficult for hardworking families. All of Biden's irresponsible trillion-dollar spending bills could have been stopped by Senator Murray if she had done the right thing by voting no. Republican challenger Tiffany Smiley's life story represents precisely the kind of political outsider Washington state needs in the United States Senate. She's a mother and a nurse who became a strong advocate for our heroic veterans after her husband Scott lost his eyesight in a roadside bomb explosion while serving in Iraq in 2005. With less than five weeks to go until the midterm elections, control of the United States Senate is up for grabs. In Tiffany Smiley, Voters in Washington state have a candidate who will bring common sense and a breath of fresh air to Congress. Career politicians like Patty Murray have put America in a deep hole, and it will take outsiders with innovative ideas like Tiffany Smiley to get us back on the right track. This is David Bossy, president of Citizens United. Listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.